0: Justin Cuthbert and Ailish for our happy Baby Friday as we say it in the morning, bringing it over to tonight's show. How's it going?
1: Uh, it's going well. Baby Fridays are always very, very exciting, of course. So yeah, <laughs> it's, we got a great show back on Sportsnet Now. We're fired up.
0: We are on Sportsnet Now and Sportsnet 590 The Fan. You can catch us on the text line at 590-590. We have some interactive segments today. We want to hear from you. It's a It's a week with not a lot of... Sports action, but we had the ESPYS last night, mm-hmm. where they hand out sports adjacent awards, and so we want to give away some of our own Toronto themed. Okay, that's going to be very loose criteria because
1: so Toronto. <laughs> I, I I think Toronto themed is right, but like. What's a Toronto sports story? What qualifies as a Toronto sports story? We're going to find out, aren't we? If you can't qualify as a Toronto sports story, then I don't know if you're up for these awards. These very, very prestigious honors.
0: There's going to be a couple of ones that are a stretch. Uh, We will go through those to start our show. We're going to have Jordi Fernandez, head coach of the Canadian men's basketball team, joining us in about 10 minutes. Canada basketball is announcing the roster for the FIBA World Cup tonight on the Global Jam Broadcast. So we will maybe get a little insight on that. Mm-hmm. Um, Sirat Zoe from the Ringer NBA show will join us a little later in the show to talk about this hot topic, trade, I guess, like a, what is it, like a trade machine? Trade put? machine, yeah. A trade yeah, yeah, machine yeah. option that has now been trending on the internet.
1: Yeah, her <laughs> and her broadca- or her podcast partner, uh, they went through a lot of different trades. So maybe one of them sticks out to her. We can ask her about that. But just Pascal at large and everything mm-hmm. that's going on and this life form that's all taken on, it'll be good to pick Rat's brain over that.
0: And then, of course, our final hour, uh, we will have Mitch Marner at 6 p.m. and then Ricky Romero at 6.30. So star that way to wrap up our Thursday a couple Toronto Legends right there. There you go. To kick things off, um, heading into your evening. And then tomorrow, Justin and I will be on from 3 to 5 as Blair and Barker will be back. So it's our last 5 to 7 show. Let's do it right. Our SBS Toronto Sports Edition-esque adjacent, however you want to put it together. We want your thoughts at 590, 590. And we have a couple of words to hand out. Obviously, the big ones are usually best athlete on the male side and the best athlete on the female side. Those ones we struggled with a little bit. So we will actually open that up for you to send in your suggestions, um, as we said, adjacent.
1: Yes, this is where all the the debate comes from, I guess, (laughs) because there are Toronto athletes doing things for other cities. Mm -hmm. There are, of course, non-Toronto athletes doing some pretty spectacular things in the city of Toronto. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what constitutes as a Toronto sports story, I think we can use our imaginations just a little bit. But then again, saying all that, I don't think we really have an automatic answer to this. Like, the best athlete who grew up in Toronto or Toronto adjacent, I guess, is Connor McDavid. But is is it a cop-out if we choose Connor McDavid for our Toronto Sports S B as the best male athlete? I think slightly, yes. Mm -hmm. I think we are copping out just a little bit because it is... He, he definitely, you know, he's winning a heart Trophy, had this spectacular year. He's good at He's hockey. a guy who does rep yeah. the city, hangs out in the city, but he's he belongs to Edmonton, does he not?
0: He does, but he also, when representing Canada, which they don't do often, represents Ontario and the Toronto-esque region as a York Regionite myself. I would like to claim Connor McDavid as a neighbor, Okay. So I would also, you know, I could see why he could classify as the best athlete Toronto esque version. So, but it does feel weird to crown him that as he wears an Edmonton Oilers jersey 12 months of the year.
1: And you actively root against him if yes. he's in a Toronto sports scenario. Here's my devil's advocate mm-hmm. from one Connor to the next. Was Connor Bedard not a bigger Toronto sports story this year than Connor McDavid? Of course, he stars at the World Juniors, he's the number one overall draft pick. The NHL draft lottery was centered entirely, of course, around him. Yes. I feel like he was m- not more in the consciousness, but more of a interesting story than Connor McDavid this year because, again, this is Toronto sports focused, mm-hmm. and the brilliance of Connor McDavid was pretty much devoted to entirely the city of Edmonton. While Connor Mc- Bedard, who's from the West Coast, spent his entire year pretty much on the West mm-hmm. Coast, except from being in Halifax for the World Juniors, Was definitely, I would say, slightly more top of mind in terms of, yeah, we were rooting for Bedard more than we were rooting for McDavid, were we not?
0: Yes, but I would say that that's just because we maybe like to ignore the Edmonton Oilers as much as possible and talk about, you know, Connor Bedard helped... You know, fill the hockey void when you weren't talking about Connor McDavid or the Maple Leafs. But mm-hmm. I would say Connor Bedard was more of just a Canada-wide story than Toronto. Like, why would Toronto claim that story? We wouldn't. We would just claim more of that story than maybe we want to talk about Connor McDavid. But my so if if Connor McDavid seems to be the easy maybe answer for this, I actually I had a, a thought of Adam Fantilli.
1: Own the thought. Let's hear it,
0: Adam Fantilli had a pretty star-studded year. We're giving out an SP to a Toronto-esque sports story. He's a local guy. He won the Hobie Baker as a freshman, which never happens. He won a world championship with the big guys. He won a world juniors, and he was drafted third overall in the NHL and starting his professional career now. That's a pretty damn good year for a guy that lives just outside the city. So Adam Fantilli, I think, could really classify for... One of the best Toronto athletes of the year.
1: I will accept the nomination. However, I do think it puts Toronto sports in a bit of a disappointing light (laughs) if the third overall draft pick of the Columbus Blue Jackets is winning the best athlete, best male athlete for a Toronto sports style ESPYs. I think it says more than anything, the fact that we haven't gone to a Blue Jay or a Maple Leaf Mm -hmm. or a Raptor that it has not necessarily been a brilliant banner year for athletes mm-hmm. in this city. Of course, we've got one in Fred walking. We've got one in Pascal embroiled in trade uh, chatter. <laughs> we've got the Stars for the Toronto Maple Leafs still licking their wounds after another playoff exit. And, of course, the Blue Jays, yeah, Boba maybe should be in mm-hmm. that category. Maybe he deserves a nomination. Maybe Kevin Gosman said does. Mitch Marner even. He's still licking his wounds. But someone from the blue Jays, I don't know if there's that automatic Here, here's nomination
0: one. either immediate text line answer Jordan okay, go. romano Toronto guy he fills Toronto up every bucket. player
1: he fills up every bucket he's there an all star sub leading the league in saves yeah that don't sh- don't roll your eyes at sub it's true
0: don't yeah, but he's leading the league in saves shouldn't have been a sub
1: I will get behind him being the nomination okay. just because he checks off all the boxes, but like last year, if we did this, what are we coming off? 60 goals, Austin Matthews. We're also coming off he a, is the a best Winter athlete.
0: Olympics, where we're the coming women, off Winter Olympics, and we'll get to the women's uh, female athletes. But there's more like athletes participating. the The pod is a little smaller with no Olympics right now. World Championships, Canada and win those, mm-hmm. and for women, and it like a slower, sleepy year. We have the World Cup coming now. I think.
1: I'm just saying, if we did the pageantry that we saw last night this year, as opposed to last. It's not as good.
0: It's it, not as sexy. Hey, there's still half a year left, and, and when you left. do the Northern Star Award, which is voted on near the end of the year, at the very end of the year, I think we'll be adding some names to this. But we do have the best female athlete, and the two of us were easy on that one. Um,
1: yeah, it's Summer McIntosh. I mean, every, every time you see the name Summer McIntosh, mm-hmm. who of course is still a teenager from the <laughs> Toronto area, uh, she's breaking a new world record, yep. and. They're still waiting for the full swimming season. So she still has a lot to do this year. But if we're looking at a calendar year, I mean, every time she hits the pool, she's breaking a world record or doing something spectacular. She, of course, is going to be the marquee attraction at the next Summer Olympics. And, of course, she is one of Canada's best athletes, period. So I think this one's a little easier. Maybe we can be a little more proud of Summer (laughs) McIntosh being our female athlete of the year in this Toronto-adjacent, very specific niche thing that we are talking about. I right
0: would now. say that Brooke Henderson has an opportunity. I know she's from outside of that's Toronto. Sports. She's in Ontario, okay? Uh Smith Falls, of course, but she has we an claim opportunity. Brooke Henderson. There's come half on. a you know, there's still some big golf tournaments to come. Brooke Henderson could put her name in there as well. But her name's her- always in there. Yeah, that's true. So we do have the text line at five ninety five ninety. Um we will get to the best athlete male, the best athlete female, and our Toronto adjacent. But we do have some texts in about somebody that you have for breakthrough athlete. So I think we need to address the breakthrough athlete before we move on because people are upset that you're not saying best athlete is Nick Taylor, but you have him as your breakthrough athlete, and I think that's deservingly so.
1: And again, this is a guy from BC. He's definitely West Coast. that's different, folks. But he did – he accomplished – the best thing in Toronto this year so far. I think Mm -hmm. like that is the biggest uh, accomplishment in a Toronto sports setting. And therefore, we can claim it as a Toronto sports story because he wins the RBC Canadian Open with that miracle putt Mm -hmm. in Toronto. And it's a Toronto sports story for that reason. So yes, I am a a nomination for sure for Nick Taylor in terms of breakthrough athlete. I'm also going to say Swag Kelly as a breakthrough athlete. I mean, he comes onto the field in the Grey Cup, wins it for the Toronto Argonauts, gives our city the only championship championship that we saw this year, I believe, unless I'm forgetting something nope, in the there depths. There's another one. In the depths.
0: And I will be giving the award to that team okay. as well.
1: Okay, so I'll, I will just hold that for a second. But Swag Kelly 100% deserves a nomination at least for best breakthrough athlete.
0: Okay, my other best breakthrough athlete was Whit Merrifield. I feel like a lot of people haven't really. Uh, put as much stock in what Mitt Maryfield was going to bring to this team. I think he was a little bit underrated, you know, former star, but that came in without much expectation. I think he's been a really great breakthrough athlete this year for the Blue Jays. Still more time to come. He's an all-star, one of their most consistent hitters, and I think that he deserves some of this for breakthrough athlete. We will continue to go through all of these um, awards. We have a, a lengthy list, best female athlete, best male athlete, best team. We will get to best team, best breakthrough athlete, best comeback athlete, and then maybe some fun ones, like who's got the best style. Okay,
1: let's do it.
0: Do we have our first guest with us?
1: I, I'm not sure if we have him okay, yet, well but then, I, I'm oh, hoping that a... we could see some breakthrough athletes on the uh, basketball stage. With Jordy Fernandez, of course, being the new head coach of Canadian men's basketball program, we're going to figure out who's on the roster Today mm-hmm. at Global Jam, which, of course, is on Sportsnet, we are going to see uh, just who is going to participate in the FIBA World Cup, which happens later this summer. So, yeah, there are some established names, of course, in Canadian men's basketball. And I'm sure that was very, very alluring for Jordy Fernandez. Uh, but hopefully there are a couple names that we don't know much about who can uh, get into the breakthrough category for us. So as I mentioned, Jordy Fernandez, head coach of Canadian men's national basketball team and of course they will announce the roster for the FIBA World Cup tonight on the global jam broadcast on Sportsnet and to preview that and to talk about the decision to take over the team we've got Jordy on now good afternoon Jordy
2: good afternoon how are you guys doing thanks for having me
1: uh we are doing pretty pretty good so big announcement tonight do you want to uh break some of the news here or should we (laughs) save it for later
2: uh maybe if I break the news now I could you know, not be with you guys anymore, so let's wait for the
1: <laughs> I'm sure the consequences aren't that
2: severe. Yeah, no, but uh no, I'm ex- uh, excited for for the the roster to be announced. Uh and yeah, it's uh it's gonna be a great summer for all of us for sure.
1: So I was so thrilled to see that you was sh- you were chosen to take over the reins from Nick Nurse because I thought that this Canadian basketball program needs some special treatment, needs someone who's going to give it some full energy and really, really try to grow with this team and make it the best it can be. So if it's getting the treatment it deserves, which I believe, what is the Jordy Fernandez treatment?
2: I mean, first of all, a lot of commitment, big commitment, uh, try to bring all my experience, uh, not just in FIBA, but also my relationships in the NBA and just grow the program, right? Like right now... We're sitting at 15, and and we believe that this this can be, it can be all the way to number one. So uh, excited, ready to work, uh, ready to develop, and ready to be part of of a team. That's that's my number one priority.
0: So in this, uh, you haven't been elected to this role for too, too long. Um, Was there uh, an opportunity to to chat with former coach Nick Nurse or any influence in in him helping you get this role in terms of the turnover here in in a short period of time to be named as the head coach?
2: Yeah, I spoke with Nate uh, before, uh, with Nick, sorry, uh, also with Nate that he's (laughs) uh, remained on the staff. Uh, But, no, he was great. Uh, I know that the program means a lot to him, Uh, uh, all the commitment that he's shown uh, in the past year. So he was great uh, helping me get situated uh, once uh, he decided and he announced that he couldn't be part of the program. So uh, he was great for me, uh, and I'll continue to, to work on, you know, on what he was trying to do is bring the program all the way to the top.
1: So so what's life been like for you since taking this job? Clearly you're juggling that and your responsibilities with the Sacramento Kings. Uh, but this is kind of like a really specific thing. Like if you're doing uh, a player search or a query, I mean, there's only so many Canadian basketball players who are going to be available to you playing in the NBA and playing high level elsewhere. So you're turning your attention to a really, really specific subset of players that maybe you hadn't given that much consideration towards before. So how much uh, work has it been to get up to speed with the program and, and the players and reaching out and working with them and, and you know building strategies towards some really important games Games later this summer.
2: I mean, you can imagine an opportunity like this uh, requires a lot of work, uh, a lot of thought. And, you know, the good thing is I'm familiar with all these guys, not just in the NBA, but also the guys that I've played in FIBA. Um, so right there, I feel very comfortable that the group will be very, 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 very competitive. Uh, my number one priority is to get them organized and to get him prepared for adversity. I think that if we put the team first and we have the team first mentality, that's how we're going to overcome adversity uh, when we face it. We're, t- uh,
0: we're talking to Jordy Fernandez, head coach of the Canadian men's uh, national basketball team. Tonight they'll be announcing their roster for the FIBA World Cup, and you can see that on the Global Jam broadcast. So I think that it's fair to say there's sometimes been a, a buy-in issue or concern from fans about Canadian basketball players wanting to really be a part of this. Is there a renewed hope or a renewed faith in that players will really want to be able to represent their country here moving forward not only at the FIBA World Cup but for, for more seasons and years to come?
2: So far, my experience with them, uh, the commitment has been awesome. Uh, The commitment and the excitement, uh, and you guys will see it on the list. Uh, My experience in international basketball uh, in a very good program like the Spanish national team or the Olympics with the the Nigerian basketball team is uh, it's hard to be 100% in, so all the players to be in at once. Uh, There's sometimes personal situations and some other situations, so we we understand and support their decisions and the group that we end up having is very talented and committed. That's the most important thing. So that's right now uh this is gonna be a very special group and if not the most one of the most talented group that we've ever had.
1: Uh only one of us knows if Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be on that team, uh but I'm hoping uh he will and I'm confident that he will because Shay has loved wearing the red and white and representing his country. Of course he is Canada's best basketball player. If you get a chance to work with Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh how excited are you for that opportunity?
2: Extremely excited and and you said it his commitment is has been uh amazing and he's been a connector with within the group. So uh the way he's shown how much he he loves the the, like you said, the, that jersey and what it means for him, so uh, having the chance to coach him, uh, I've obviously talked to a lot of these guys involved in the program, so uh, I can only say like great things about him.:
0: Is there a new name or like a younger up and coming player um, doesn't have to be on this roster because I know you can't say that specifically, but someone that fans will come to love or come to appreciate um, with their opportunity to represent Canada, whether at this stage or moving forward?
2: I think youth is something that we clearly have um, and some of the guys that will be on the list, the list are, are very young. So the future is bright. And then as you guys know, there's going to be others that are not on the list and they've been drafted or they will be. And that's what the reason why we will be a number, a number one program for, for a long, long time, hopefully forever if we keep uh, building uh Building the crew the
1: right way. Uh, Jordy Fernandez, head coach of Canada's national men's basketball team, on the line with us. Okay, so you obviously have experience in international basketball, uh, both since you came to the United States, but also clearly before that, being a native of Spain. Uh, how well is this roster catered towards playing international basketball, and how much of an advantage does Canada have with you, who has coached international basketball before?
2: Well, you know that. Uh, the Fever Games especially, um, you don't need always the best individual talent to win a tournament. You need the best team to win a tournament. And whoever buys into that uh, usually is the, the group that, that ends up with the, with the medals, with a trophy. And always I experienced that with Spain. Uh, we were very talented uh, for a long, long, long time. But the most important thing is the guys uh, bought into what I just said. The team is the number, is the, the first thing, uh, and there's nobody that should be more important than the team. Right now, so far, uh, the conversations that I've had with every single guy on the Canadian national team, they're excited to be part of the team, uh, and they're excited to all fight together, embrace their role, and do what's best for, uh, for Canada basketball to be successful.
0: So we know in our market here, uh, the Toronto Raptors were looking to make some changes, and they did so um, on their bench and, and their staff. I know you were involved with that interview process, a finalist uh, nonetheless. What, what did you maybe learn about the Raptors throughout that process or how, how close it felt that you were able to land a position there?
2: I learned a lot about the process. I a lot, a lot, learned a lot uh, about myself. Uh, obviously, I have a lot of respect for, uh, for the organization, the Toronto Raptors, for uh, Masai and all his group. So I was very uh, uh, honored to, you know, to have the opportunity. And uh, like you said, it didn't go my way. But uh, what happened after that is that I was, you know, the, I was offered a job with Canada basketball, so everything happens for mm-hmm. a reason. And right now I'm I'm extremely excited to be where I am.
1: Uh, The resume is really impressive, Jordy. Uh, You've worked with LeBron James when he was a young guy. You worked with Nikola Jokic Jokic recently. Uh, You've worked between those two with some of the greatest players this game has ever seen. Uh, What stands out or what's different about those two beyond what we see? I mean, we see the brilliance on the court, but when it comes to guys like Jokic and LeBron, what are the differentiators?
2: Uh, You mentioned LeBron, you mentioned Nikola, but you forgot to mention Jamal Murray.
1: Well, let's hear about Jamal Murray. What differentiates him? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I was, I was just saying, obviously, those two guys are winning players. Uh, so is Jamal. Mm. And I've learned a lot from all of them. Um, I think they're the, those the two that you mentioned first, Nicola and LeBron, their ability to make their teammates better, it's what it impressed me. And Jamal, his level of competitiveness, uh, he can take the game to a different level. And especially after coming back from his injury, I was uh, personally very happy for him because I know what he went through. Uh, but again, that's another guy on, on the program and that has been part of the program that always has embraced it.
1: I'm. Uh, I get a feeling maybe Jamal Murray might be on the team today. <laughs> Hopefully that is I the case. I hope so. Of course. Uh, okay. So of course, what you know, we mentioned Darko Rajakovic taking over with the Raptors. Uh, you're taking this job. You came over to the United States a really early age. Uh, but when we talk about coaches that did get, get their start in Europe. Is it like a shared dream where the goal is to get to the NBA, or is that not the case for everyone who gets their start in basketball? overseas, at least overseas, compared to the market we're in?
2: Um, in my personal story, it just happened the way it happened. Um, obviously, I started, like you said, grew up in Barcelona, city right outside, actually, Barcelona. And uh, basketball has been my life. First as a player, then coaching since I was very young. I had the opportunity to come to the U.S., and this happened. So um, I've been very fortunate because, you know, everybody talks about the FIBA basketball versus NBA basketball. Uh, and I don't think there's better or worse. It's just like two great and two different styles. And I've been very fortunate to, uh, to work on both at the highest level. So um, I- I'm very lucky to, to uh, have knowledge on both sides. So that's, I think, what I can bring to the program.
1: Last one for you, Jody, you mentioned your Barcelona roots mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of obsessed with Barcelona just as like a, a you know a sporting program, so I want to know who your favorite ever athlete is to wear Barcelona colors
2: uh and what sport any sport Ooh. that is uh, that is a good question so I'm gonna go with a sport that probably you're not familiar with I'm okay. going to go handball all right and I'm going to go the- the goalie, who is uh, Gonzalo Perez de Vargas, is one of the best goalies in the world. Uh, he's been in the Olympics. He's been in the world. It's, it's one of the best at what he does, and he's actually helped me on some of like the defensive uh, drills that we do, because his hand-eye coordination uh, translates to, or whatever he works on, hand-eye coordination translates to basketball, so we integrated a lot of that stuff in Denver, and then we did it in Sacramento, too, so I'm going to go with him.
0: Maybe he'll be announced as a member of the uh, Team Canada coaching staff today. Oh, I, was <laughs> say. I don't think
1: he's going to be on the roster. <laughs> on <Alex>. The
0: coaching <laughs> staff, maybe later today when they have their announcement. Uh, Jordy, we appreciate you joining us today. Great to get some insight. Congrats on the head coach role with uh, with Team Canada here. We're looking forward to watching and cheering you guys on.
2: I appreciate you guys.
0: Thanks so much. That's Jordy Fernandez, head coach of the Canadian Men's and National Basketball Team, and the Canadian ba- Canada Baskets announcing. Their roster for the FIBA World Cup tonight on the Global Jam broadcast. You can catch that a little later in the night on Sportsnet. And uh, maybe that goaltender he,
1: he gave me some homework there i'm gonna to have to look into this i saw this, you trying uh, to type logo. and i'm like I, i'm like said I, the name I didn't, get the, yeah, I didn't get the name very fast i'm gonna to have to re-listen am, to the fan drive time podcast feed <laughs> if go. i'm gonna figure it out but he uh, just yeah.
0: rolled nicely off his tongue. i'm like what Did you slow that down? <laughs> yeah. spell that out for us so we can google it yeah that we'll, we'll
1: find it we'll find it
0: that's awesome uh yeah looking forward to tonight there's a lot of really big canadian names that uh, we do hope get to wear the red and white uh for team canada mentioned really made sure to mention Jamal Murray. Which, of course, would be a very good treat to see. Did play a lengthy, lengthy, lengthy season.
1: Yeah, I I didn't really want to mention him because I wasn't convinced, right? Like, Mm -hmm. this has been a long year, of course, for Jamal Murray. And there, I guess, is the built-in excuse if he didn't want to play. And I guess just because he brought it up doesn't mean he's going to be on the roster. But maybe that gives us a little bit more hope that he will be. Uh, included on a roster, which uh, I think Canadian fans, just based on that interview, maybe should be hopeful that there's going to be a a (laughs) lot of talent because he wasn't shying away uh, from the strength of it. That's for sure.
0: Okay, so mentioning Jamal Murray, um, I did have him for an award for our Toronto-esque SBs. Okay. Best comeback athlete. I think it's really easy to admire the story of Jamal Murray and all he's had to go through to get to this point. He was the second best player on an NBA championship team and only behind the best player in the world. So that one's a very difficult uh, one to overt- overtake. But Jamal Murray has been a, a pretty proud Canadian and someone that uh, certainly, you know, put basketball on the map. And now there's a lot of other guys that are a part of that story. But Jamal Murray, for my best comeback athlete, I know he's not a Toronto city guy, but we can claim he's him. A Toronto sports
1: story. Of we course can we claim were tracking him.
0: That. Just if you can drive there without needing to fill up for gas, that's, well, I'll specify that as a good justification. Ask, okay? You don't want
1: to overlook him because you wouldn't want to uh, disappoint Jordy Fernandez. And no. I wouldn't want to do that. So, of course, we should acknowledge Jamal Murray. But there are, other, some, no, there are some other nominations I think we should get to later in the show. Yes, yeah,
0: so we'll save those. Um, we'll do... Some more of the Toronto-esque SBs. We'll have that open on the text line. You can send that in 590-590. Best athlete, uh, female and male. Best breakthrough athlete. Best comeback athlete. And we'll do a couple more uh, throughout the show. But we do have a star-studded lineup of guests still to join us. Um, So we'll take a break because we have Sirat Zoe from the Ringer NBA show. A lot of talk about an article or a podcast where the Raptors... um, and Damian Lillard, were connected. Let's just leave it at that. Mm-hmm. We'll take a break on Fan Drive Time. We'll come back with Sierat. It's Justin and Nailish on Fan Drive Time, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, and Sportsnet.
1: All right, we're back on Fan Drive Time. Justin Cuthbert and Ailish Forfar still in Blair and Barker's stead from 5 to 7.
0: We're coming them for now. it tomorrow, though. Fan
1: Drive Time, but in the Blair and Don't Barker
0: Don't forget position.
1: it. They are back tomorrow. Woo! we got to keep it clean.
0: I already wiped up uh, everything.
1: For Jeff Blair tomorrow.
0: I'll do it again tomorrow.
1: Uh, let's bring in our next guest to talk about the Toronto Raptors, and more specifically, the Pascal Siakam's story that just won't go away. It's Sirat Soey <laughs> of The Ringer. Good afternoon, Sirette.
3: Hey, guys. How's
1: it going? Uh, we're doing pretty good. Uh, I want to get to Pascal, of course. You had a great uh, new podcast on the uh, Ringer NBA show. It's
0: trending. T- Everybody wants to hear yeah, from you. Talking
1: about all the trade scenarios <laughs> with Pascal <laughs> and everything that could be possible here. But I think we should start with the Raptors just, like, at large, right? Because the Raptors, from an optic standpoint, historically been very good. Trust him Messiah, a real thing. Everyone thinks the Raptors are in good hands and the Raptors are a banner organization. But it feels like... The winds are changing things just a little bit. So, where are we at with the Toronto Raptors? And when you compare that to where we came from, uh, does it is it hit a little bit differently the realities of today?
3: Well, I don't think I think it I think it probably sheds a little bit more light on how this team has always operated, right? Uh, at least in terms of holding on to their players. I think is that is that basically what you're talking about? Just the way that they've been operating for the last few years, post championship.
1: Well, in terms of, uh, well, it's different, right? Because there was sort of a cutthroat nature early on. And you guys alluded to that still being maybe part of their DNA on the show. Uh, But there's been a reluctance to move on, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that's the thing where it's just like, are we, are the hands still as capable as they were? I guess is sort of my question.
3: Mm. I got you. Yeah. Okay. So the more that I think about it, the more that I think that the way they're operating right now, actually allows us to reframe how they did things in the past. Because if you think about it, it's not necessarily like there were always this team that moved on very quickly. Masai Ujiri took over, and Kyle Lowry was on the team. DeMar DeRozan was on the team. Dwayne Casey was coaching that that team. That didn't change for a number of years. Uh, They had some playoff playoff flameouts that were truly ugly, and you started to wonder, okay, is Casey going to be back? And, like, you'd hear – Things about DeMar, you hear things about Lowry. Maybe they won't be back. But at the end of the day, I mean, they extended Kyle Lowry, gave him a three-year, $90 million deal at a time when that didn't necessarily feel like the obvious move. Um, obviously, that paid off. That was a good idea. But it wasn't necessarily what we looked at as being a home-run idea at the time. And they didn't, you know, they, they had a – Masai talked about doing a culture reset and then still kept Dwayne Casey – on as a coach for one more year. It actually it took him quite a while to give up on the team that he had, and it actually didn't take it took it took Kawhi Leonard being available and being able to make a move that made him better. So I don't know how different this actually mm-hmm. is. I think that maybe we mischaracterized their ethos or the way that they want to team build. Because yeah, they you know you hear rumblings of maybe they'll rebuild, maybe they'll make some trades. Uh, but I think, if anything, it shows us that that's just not something that they're interested in, rebuilding at least.
1: Yeah, so what may be different then is just how they view Pascal Siakam. Um, and clearly this has taken on a bit of a life form. This is uh, growing maybe because a lot of people are talking about it, but because there's real smoke there with the fire. Uh, but before we get into like the actual drama and the talk around Pascal Siakam... Just in, like, a vacuum, Pascal, the asset, what is this player at this point in his career's value, his worth in the open market, his timeline, his trajectory? Like, where is Pascal Siakam at right now as an asset, as a 29-year-old player who's kind of on the cusp of that, like, elite tier, but not, might not quite be there?
3: I think, I think that's a really interesting question. Like you said, he's 29 years old. A uh, big part of his game is his athleticism, his speed. Uh, so it's kinda easy to make the case that maybe he won't get better than this, but at the same time, this is a guy who has consistently got better throughout his entire career and is actually only going into his eighth year in the n b a which is typically what you would consider you know entering his prime like I would look at it like maybe like last year was the start of his prime, and that's probably what we should expect from him going forward with you know some requisite Decline in athleticism, but probably will continue to get better and more polished uh, as, as his career goes on because that is perpetually what we've seen from him. I think he's an All NBA talent. I think he is probably right on that cusp of. He won't be the best player on a championship team, but if he's your number two, you are in incredible shape. Like he's he's just kind of below being the best player on a championship level team. Uh, so that's, that's kind of where I see him. I think there's definitely room for debate there. Uh, but he's, to I me, mean, he's also very modern as well. Like he's what you want from your modern four. He can do a ton of different things on the floor. He can play in half court. He can play in transition. He can defend in four positions. So yeah, I think, I think he's, I mean, he's awesome. I think, I think, I think like some of his skills are actually better suited towards being like one of the best number two options that you could ask for.
0: So how have we arrived to this point where is it is just Pascal Siakam rumor after rumor or trade candidate after trade candidate? It, it, why is the answer not so simple? Like you, the way you laid out, like, I, well, yeah, I want him to sign. I want sounds him to like be a, here. Sounds like a guy the Raptors should keep. Sounds like you should keep him. But where's the heart of this debate and this right? issue? Yeah, <laughs> yeah
3: I, probably the timelines, right? Like just the fact that he is 29 years old, Scotty Barnes is 21, OG Ananobi is kind of straddling the middle there being 25 Mm -hmm. if you if you extend Siakam then you're kind of baked into trying to win now with him so I don't think it necessarily speaks to I I don't think a conversation about trading Siakam has anything to do with the player and how skilled he is yeah sure maybe if he was like definitely the number one guy we're not even having a conversation uh but then the team probably looks different a lot of things look different so I think it's more so just from a team building perspective, if you are going to put a lot of resources and money and cap space into him and he is going to be your future, then you got to find a way to win now. And maybe that Avenue isn't necessarily there. Uh, Maybe they looked at like, you know, I think uh, maybe it's also like, and you guys could probably answer this better. Just, you know, being in the city, like we've heard things in the locker room too. Like, like that Siakam and some of the veterans were frustrated with, uh, with the young players. So maybe it's a matter of them wanting to get on one course versus the other.
1: Yeah, it feels like he's on a bit of an island, of course, with Freddie going uh, to the Houston Rockets on that monster deal. It feels like Pascal loses some of the support he had, I guess, in that locker room if we're going to make a big deal out of the potential divide between young and old. But he's got Jakob Pertle and Jakob Pertle and him were boys, and maybe they'd be able to, you know, bridge the gap without Fred. I'm not really sure, but it just seems like, yeah, it's, it's the domino. It's whatever direction you choose it sort of comes at the expense or, or the decision just hinges on Pascal Siakam. And you mentioned the win now card that might be available out there. Maybe they can make a trade to supplement Pascal and a core that is, uh, you know, supported by Scotty Barnes or with Scotty Barnes and OG and an OB. And I feel like that, you know, we've been discussing this a lot. I think my preference is that they tear it down and try to rebuild this thing because clearly clinging to the past doesn't, isn't the thing that's you know working in the favor of this group right now but I actually think the win now move isn't all that risky because if you do go all in and try to support Pascal with say Damian Lillard you still have assets you could trade in the open market and flip that roster when you choose to do so so if they choose to go aggressive try to win try to better 41 wins try to be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference is it really that risky of a proposition or is it at all riskier than just staying where you are, being in the middle and not making a decision on Pascal Siakam.
3: I think the riskiest thing is what you just said right there—just doing nothing. Um, you don't want him to walk in the air. It doesn't seem like he wants to necessarily walk in the air. But if they have another disappointing season, and you know his name is just on the other end of trade rumors the whole time, like maybe maybe that changes. You definitely don't want a repeat of the Fred VanVleet situation. And frankly, you just don't want a season that was like last season. Just from a vibes perspective, mm-hmm. from like just you want to, you just, I don't think anybody wants to watch that again. So I think standing pat and doing nothing is the biggest risk. If you go in and you make a move for Damian Lillard, there is definitely a risk involved in that. In that, if it doesn't work out, then some of the pieces that could have contributed to a rebuild um, will no longer be there. Um, my colleague, Michael Pina, today wrote a column on The Ringer that he actually talked about in our podcast about what if you trade Scottie Barnes in a Damian Lillard deal? He's, I mean, it's easily the best guy that the Blazers could possibly get back for Lillard. And I think the advantage of it for the Raptors would be that they could then keep OG Anunobi and they would have Pascal Fiaco And then all of a the sudden they are one of the best teams in the Eastern conference. Like that is a team I could, I would look at, like, you know, if you have, like, if you keep Gary Trent and you keep all the supporting pieces they fit really well together. I think the Raptors, they are missing exactly what Damian Lillard provides. And in terms of Dame, like, he would play so well off of Siakam. He would, you know, be protected on defense in a way that he never really has been in Portland. I think it's just a really great yin and yang uh, that could, honestly, like, that, that team could win the East. Like, that team could win the championship if it, all, if it all kind of works out. So it's it's a worthy risk, in my opinion, but there's definitely some risk involved if it doesn't, It doesn't work out, but that's, like, that's, that's sports. You don't make a trade and say, I'm immediately going to win a championship, it's guaranteed. It's never guaranteed, but that is a team that I would look at it and say, yeah, like, there's no delusion in saying they could win a championship, which is ultimately what you're looking for.
0: I wonder how much that reflects on, if, like, if this hypothetical thing were to happen, um how much this reflects on how the Toronto Raptors view Scotty Barnes, because after he was rookie of the year, there was like no way they would ever trade him for KD, right? Like it was like Kevin Durant right. opportunity and it was, we're never going to move Scotty Barnes. But if he's rumored mm-hmm. to be someone maybe that you would trade for Dame, is that is that more of an indication of, hey, we maybe we don't see the same, same ceiling that we saw with Scotty Barnes or is it Maybe more pressure that this organization needs to make a direct pivot one way or the other. Like, how much does that reflect on maybe Scotty Barnes and the way that they might view his development?
3: Yeah, that's that's a really good question. I think like last year, you'd almost look at it like, are you going to take like the next fifteen years of what Scotty Barnes can do for your franchise mm-hmm. and consider him a pillar to build around versus one. Like, he, K, it's just different with KD. Like, K, yeah, sure, KD is locked into a deal, but I feel like KD is liable to do anything in a way that Damian Lillard just won't. Like, I feel like, yes, Damian Lillard wants to go to Miami. Uh, that is preferred to, that's his preferred destination. But, like, everything we've also seen from Lillard suggests that, like, yeah, get him, get him into the room. You know, get him into the room. He's got a ton of years left on his contract. Like, meet the coaching staff. Meet your teammates, like. See what a locker room is like with, like, Pascal Siakam. And I would just – I would be much more likely to have faith in Lillard coming to Toronto and being happy than I would in, in Kevin Durant. Uh, so that's probably why I look at it a little bit differently. Uh, but I don't know. The question of Scotty, do we look at Scotty differently than we did a year ago? I think I think in the big picture of the NBA at large and what his value is if you were to trade him, Yes. Uh, I, I don't think there's really a question about that. Uh, I don't know if it changes how the Raptors feel about him, though. Like that—that that to me is an interesting
1: question. Yeah, that is the million-dollar question, right? Because uh, it was it under no circumstances you you trade Scotty Barnes last summer. I'm not really sure. How did that change uh, compared to this year? I'm not really sure. The Raptors' reality, though, has changed, right? So if you're trading Scotty Barnes, you're clinging on to something, or you're trying to make something of the Pascal era and try to build around that. And that seems maybe overly optimistic because you just don't have the supporting cast either and they might be able to sort of cobble together that but it does seem overly optimistic or overly hopeful that you'll be able to do that it's just the question now is is building around scotty really the best thing moving forward i'm not really sure it just seems less certain i guess than it was uh last summer uh looking nba wide now if we're talking about Pascal, you mentioned him as potentially being uh, the number two on a championship team. Uh, who can, looking around the league, completely change their reality and their trajectory and their ceiling if they went out and traded for Pascal Siakam?
3: I think the biggest team, I mean, I, 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 that's that's a tough one because I think this is a, Franchise is a little bit diluted in terms of what they think that they are capable of, and they should probably be looking at the reset button. But if they don't want to do that, then the Atlanta Hawks would certainly be a very different team with Pascal Siakam on it. Um, They just traded John Collins. They have a hole at the four position. Siakam would feel that. I think he would play incredibly well around Trey Young. He would be just a defensive menace sharing the floor with Deontay Murray and could actually provide that team with you know, I just I don't think I don't think that's a team that like with the defensive minded players have had a lot of allies on. Like, you know, Clint Capella is defensive minded, Murray is defensive minded, but it is largely an offensive minded team. So it kind of tip the scales in that regard, could potentially reshift their identity. Uh so they're probably they're probably my favorite. Uh but at the same time I don't know, it's just like this Trey this Young experiment there. It just hasn't really worked out. Like, other than that Eastern Conference Finals run, uh, they're kind of, I wouldn't say they're in a similar position to Toronto, but I feel like they do either kind of need to make a deal to get better or make a deal to get worse.
1: Well, that might be why the Raptors are the position they're in right now. Because, I mean, you open the floor to you, what team could really, really change things with Pascal. And it's the only really team that, that, or the team that comes to mind is a diluted Atlanta Hawks team that probably can't really make it happen with Pascal uh, in the end. So that might be why the market is what it is Mm -hmm. or is what it isn't at this time. Uh, You mentioned one thing on the podcast. I think it was the juiciest item or juiciest potential conclusion to all this. And it's, signing or re-signing or extending Pascal Siakam if you're Masai Ujiri and still operating under the assumption that you could trade him. Uh, Do you think that's maybe the safest play for the Raptors to kind of do him dirty a little bit potentially and just sign the deal and then, you know, still look to the future?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, on one level, it is doing him dirty. I think, like, when you look at what's happening with Lillard and, and Portland, there's two ways of looking at it. You can say, hey, this guy was loyal to his franchise for his entire career. Uh, but at the same time, he got paid, and he didn't get a no-trade clause. So one of the things that comes with that is that you can't potentially be dealt. So, look, if, especially if, if Pascal makes All-NBA next year, which I there's a very strong possibility of that, the Raptors can really pay him. So, you know, they'll make it worth his while if they decide that they want to deal him down the line. But with, with Siakam being extended also comes the fact that he will have years on his contract, and that naturally makes him the type of guy that then you might have some teams that say, like, okay, yeah, maybe we will break the bank a little bit for, for Siakam, whereas right now you're looking at a one-year rental. So any teams that are interested are going to be, have, have to be a lot more careful in terms of how many young players and draft picks and how much of their future they're willing to, to risk on a one-year rental.
1: Uh, the conversation will continue. Uh, see, right, it was fun catching up. Uh, we appreciate you coming on. Hopefully we can do this again soon.
3: Thanks for having me, guys.
1: That's Sirhat Sohi of the Ringer and the Ringer NBA show. Uh, big Pascal Siakam <laughs> episode up this week on the podcast feed. Definitely worth checking out.
0: Okay, we got to get to a couple things here before we take a break and talk to Mitch Marner. Uh, he will be joining us after the break at 6 o'clock and then Ricky Romero to wrap up our show. But it's time for Between the Lines, brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Producer Mark Baffo, how are you?
1: I'm doing great, guys. Yourselves?
0: We are swell. We can't wait to hear what you got for us tonight.
1: Well, we got all eyes on the CFL tonight. One game on the slate. And, you know, we'll see how it plays out for the Edmonton Elks if they can shake this losing streak. Hamilton versus Edmonton. Who do you got on the money line tonight at
0: Rivers? Okay, so it's not only uh, all eyes on the Edmonton Elks because they could tie a professional sports record in a bad way. You could make history in a bad way. A uh, real bad way. 20 consecutive home losses in a row if they lose tonight. Uh, I kind of want to see history tonight.
1: Trivia time. The last team to do that.
0: A team I did never heard of before.
1: Doesn't exist anymore. The St. Louis Browns. Of Major what, League what Baseball. Sport? Okay. 1953. Lost 20 games in a row. That's the last time I a I want team... some
0: merch from the St. Louis Browns. I'm
1: I'm sure I'm gonna you to find, find, find some it. The, the vintage break. queen, I'm sure, could find it. Uh, this, is, this is crazy to me. Like, the Edmonton Elks are really important to the CFL. Like, really important. They are one of the teams. Like, the Leafs. Are the Leafs to the NHL. Mm-hmm. The Elks, maybe not quite that to the CFL, but it's in that vein. This is a really proud organization that has won a ton of great cups, that has carried this league through a lot of dark times. And yet, they're on the cusp of futility like we've never seen in our lifetimes. It is really crazy.
0: straight home losses. What do season ticket holders do? Uh, I, do they go? Again,
1: they're very, very loyal. And Chris Jones, head coach, is a guy who thought to be like you know the next guy who was going to take over the CFL and dominate. And clearly, he can't have any impact. Anyway, we're getting away from the betting line. It is a pick 'em, pretty much. I'm on picking the line today. history tonight. You're picking the Hamilton Tigers? I'm tonight? going
0: the Hammer minus one ten on the money line tonight.
1: With the context of Hicks' history and how important this organization is to the, the CFL, way? I cannot imagine that they will allow this to happen. Okay,
0: let's shake on it. Coffee tomorrow. Six pound it. Oh, okay. I'm going uh, Tiger Cats.
1: Okay. Edmonton Elks, coffee tomorrow, Ooh. and and a wager maybe at Bet Rivers, of
0: course. Yes, of course. That was Between the Lines brought to you by Bet Rivers. It's a whole new game. Do you see history tonight? Stay tuned. That's uh, whew, it's going to be a good one in the CFL. Um, you wanted to talk about one thing here before we took a break and talk to Mitch Marner.
1: Yeah, I do. Uh, I might need more than a minute. But it's is—it's an interesting take from you. You Mm -hmm. had an Instagram post today where you put your socks and flops out there. You're saying, can I still do this as you're still an athlete, of course, but a non-athlete, someone who's not competing at a high level, at least right now. Mm -hmm. I say yes, no problem with that. But my bigger point on this is, are we ever going to, as adults here, I'm like firmly in my 30s, you're approaching are we ever gonna like change the way we actually dress again? Is it like music hmm. where you just like the same things that you liked in your prime? Like, I don't think I'm gonna change the way am I gonna start dressing again, like my style. dad? Am I gonna start dressing no, you say that now? Am I gonna start dressing like an like a fifty-five year old right now, hmm. ever? I don't think so. I think it's gonna be Nike athleisure for the rest of my oh. life. I don't think I'm gonna change anything, which means socks and flops forever. Okay,
0: socks and flops.
1: You think I'm gonna put those strap-on sandals?
0: I could In see like 20 wear, years? Yeah, There's I, no I chance actually, I'll ever wear those. Bad takes exposed. I might see you wear that one day. There's no chance. Um, all right. Let's take a break. We got Mitch Marner joining us after the break on the Fan Drive Time. Justin and Ailish Sportsnet 590 The Fan and Sportsnet Now. And drive time. Justin Cuthbert and Ailish Forfar.
1: I think we're here. I think we're, we're officially on. The right on yeah. Can't
0: really tell, but I think we're good.
1: Think we're we're good. Well. We're, we're good. Let's uh, get it going.
0: We're on five, Sportsnet 590, the fan of Sportsnet. Now, uh, we're waiting to get Mitch Marner who will be joining us in a few moments. We've been doing our Toronto SBS SBS Awards. Tuffy, that's but.
1: that's what it is, though. That is an SBS. We finally got to it. We finally have the answer. SBS. <laughs> the
0: SBS Toronto Sports Awards: Best Athlete, Best Female Athlete, Best Breakthrough Athlete, et cetera, et cetera. But we need to get to one because I think Mitch Martyrs nominated in our world, and it's Best Fashion, Best Fashion in the Toronto sports scene. I think it's super easy to say that. Grady Dick should have a nomination.
1: Yeah, Grady Dick definitely uh, a late submission. It's like you just get in in time for award season, yes. and he just got there, and I think he stole it from whoever would be our next up. Maybe Mitch Marner. He might have ripped it from mm. Mitch Marner's hands. I think Mitch will be okay with that because a nomination is definitely a, a pretty impressive thing. I'm still partial, and we just talked about this, how, like, your style is... Might
0: change, might not. ...is how
1: old you are and stays with it. Like, I don't know if I could pull off the Mitch Marner suits... At this age, I'm younger than Jason Spezza, but I still believe in my heart of hearts that the Toronto sports personality, person, connected. I know he's now in Pittsburgh, but Jason Spezza, there is no one who has a better suit game in my eyes wow. than Jason Spezza. It's you very seem simple
0: and classic.
1: It's very classy, I think is the point okay. that I'm trying to go with. Yeah,
0: see, that's your more um, suits the show.
1: Suits the show?
0: like that's that's where i would picture he's very corporate
1: i don't know if it's corporate i think it's like class I, I like it's like beyond corporate. Okay. Maybe the guy in the big office. See, when
0: corporate? you wrote Spetsa down in this doc, I thought. Are you, are like, you
1: pulling up I photos thought, are of Jason Spezza like in a serious,
0: suit? Are you serious or are Oh, you no. Being serious. I'm being very serious. Like, I like Ryan O'Reilly's suit game. Like, he's got a little bit of pizzazz, a little. Oh, well, you're um, a little younger than me. A little spunk. Like, and he would wear the hats. And sometimes you'd go like the. De- like, when he showed up when maybe Maple's denim on denim. Like, I like a little bit of. I mean, that's. spunk.
1: <laughs> that's the key for the Nashville decision. Just Yo, wear he's the hats.
0: Good. Yeah. Wear the hats, wear denim. Basically, you. You're there, Uh, but walks in with the, you know, the suit, the suit of a century. So he's clearly going to be up for a nomination for our SBS awards. All right. Someone that we did put in there in our awards ceremony is Mitch Marner leaves Ford joining us right now. Mitch, how are you today?
4: Hey, I'm doing great. How you doing?
0: We're doing great. Um, we were giving out some awards or some nominations, and you have been nominated by us for Best Fashion in the Toronto sports scene. Um, I, you can have an acceptance speech here, but do you feel like you have been integral in uh, the big hat scene that has now taken over the NHL?
4: Uh, yeah. That's 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 kind of my luck nowadays. I don't know. I've, I've, um, I've come to know someone in Miami that makes some beautiful hats named Benjamin Lloyd, and um, you know, shout out to him. He's, he's had a lot of great uh designs and features for me that fit a lot of my suits. So I don't know. I think it just matches the vibe that I'm kind of going for. And I think it's kind of a nice u- unique look.
1: Mitch, you got another big wardrobe decision ahead, right? Because you're getting married, I believe this summer. I mean, mm-hmm. I don't, you're probably a guy with a bunch of suits. I don't know how you dwindle it down to <laughs> one, but that is the biggest <laughs> suit decision you'll make. So do you have that one down pat?
4: That one's down pat. Yeah. That one's already locked in, ready to go. So, um, obviously it's, you know, not getting pulled out until the big day. So, uh, (laughs) we're both very excited about it, but, um, yeah no everything's all ready to go for that which is nice
0: i bet there'll be some sort of zeus um interlacing somewhere when you i know i won't give it oh, away okay, but okay. zeus will be involved i can just <laughs> i can just imagine um so we have you on today to, to certainly talk about uh something special to your heart your marner assist foundation the fifth annual all-star invitationals kicking off tonight um what can you tell me about this two-day event that you are so proud to be a part of and to have started
4: yeah well i mean first off just you know, it's still funny when you hear five years, you know, when we first started this thing, you don't know how long it's going to be, you don't know how long you're going to be able to do them for. And you kind of just hope that the first one goes really well. And luckily enough, it did. And then through COVID, you don't know what's going to happen either. And we're lucky enough still, we're able to kind of pull some stuff out. But i um, super stoked for tonight. Tonight's more of a, I'd say, relaxing night. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of made for the grown-ups of coming in here. Um, you had a lot of cocktails, a lot of food, a lot of fun kind of activities you can do around here. Um, all the athletes kind of walk around so you can go talk to them photos got a um, some really great silent auctions some really great live auction stuff um, all going towards you know children's um, charities that we can you know help out with and um, tomorrow is more of the skills event and that's going on the ice um, all the pros are going to be your coaches for the day and everyone's got a different ice um, pad to kind of work on take you through the skills try to help you be the best you can be in the team with the best Um, score at the end of it all, gets to come around with us uh, before our scrimmage, skate with us for a hot couple laughs, you know, pass the puck with us, do some shots, um, big group photo, and then um, you know, we kind of play our own little game at the end of it all just for fun, in front of all the fans and people, just to, you know, enjoy it.
0: That's awesome. Um, I know one of the one of the people attending is Laura Stacy, who's a, a close friend of mine, and I was at her charity tournament a couple of weeks ago, and I actually scored a hat trick in the Pro v Pro game. So if you're looking for a ringer, someone drops out last that is minute. Huge. I'm yeah. available. Uh, <laughs> you had can, to mention that. We eh? can definitely get your right. info out. I know. I know. I, I could be up there in a jiffy. So you tell Laura that she could have me up there. But um, I know you focus yeah. a lot on children um, with this program and youth and, and grassroots, like. I know, obviously, as a as a hockey player, getting involved in sports at a young age is is in, it, like the most basic understanding of you know teamwork and dedication and setting goals. But why so much focus for you when you set ba- when you set these boundaries and you set these goals for youth um, in your program?
4: Well, I mean, the first thing is this sport that we play is obviously not a cheap one. I mean, mm-hmm. it costs a lot of money. Everything you buy, regardless of your position, it costs a lot of money. Um, so for us it's trying to just make sure that, you know, with Canadian tire and jumpstart and all that kind of stuff, we can get gear out to people in need that, you know, have the love of the game of watching it and wanting to play it, but with just the expenses, it's hard sometimes. So that's the first thing it's just trying to give, um, children a chance to play this game that they love, even if nothing ever comes of it, you know, they have the dream of playing it, have a lot of fun with it. They learn a lot of great skills and I think life lessons through it all. And, um, I mean, for me, it's just, you know, seeing the smiles on, kids' faces, adults' faces when you see them on the ace tomorrow. I mean, I think something I've talked about a lot is tomorrow is all kind of ages. You've got a group mm-hmm. that comes that's six years old, and then the next group that comes can be 40-year-olds that, you know, came the cocktail night before and might have had maybe a little too much fun that, you know, they're kind of struggling through a little bit of the skills <laughs> but having a great time and smiling as well. So, I mean, that's my favorite part is just seeing the different age groups that we have at this event. Um, But all at the same time, smiling the same and, you know, acting as kids. So that's (laughs) something I really take pride in and enjoy. And I think that's something that we really want this event to be like.
0: Uh, We're speaking with Mitch Barner of the Toronto Maple Leafs. So you have this tonight and tomorrow, but then you have an upcoming event, uh, Sink the Stigma. Now that's in September for mental health awareness. And I think that's obviously a huge conversation in our world now and and increasingly so. And Where does the, the passion come for you to start that new endeavor as well?
4: yeah well i mean that really kind of started out through covid but even kind of before then mm-hmm. obviously um with the sport we play there's a lot of high-end pressure on us uh, especially being in this market there's a lot of pressure on us players to perform and be the best we can be and you know it is really hard sometimes to be that best player when your mind's in different places and in running in different areas so for me it's just you know trying to let yourself you know be able to speak to one another and you know just express yourself and express what's going on through your mind and um, that's something that I think that's really important. But at the same time, you just don't know what anyone's ever going through in their minds. And I think it's something no one should be afraid of. Um, you know, it's something that's powerful when you speak about, you know, what's kind of going on there and how you can fix it. And uh, that's something that we're trying to really just get out is you're never not weak. Um, you're strong. You got a lot of people around you. that love you. want want you to be around for a very long time. And um, we got a lot of things that can help you out and, you know, try to help you uh, achieve what you want.
1: Uh, cocktail hour, I think, is uh, approaching quickly here, Mitch, but I think there's still time for people to get involved. So let the listeners know how they can get involved in the fifth annual uh, edition of your uh, event tonight and this week.
4: Yeah, well, you can follow us along on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Marner uh, Invitation, or sorry, Marner Foundation Assist Foundation. Um, and then you can also go on the website, Marner Assist com or maybe it's .ca, Sorry, because we're Canadian. I always, yeah, I always get confused. It's dossier. Um, and, uh, you know, donations are going to be going all year round. They don't just go for this mm-hmm. weekend and the the Sigma weekend. Um, it's all 365 days a year. Um, you know, you can always go on there and check up and just see kind of what's going on and uh, constantly make through donations through that. But, um, yeah, I mean, the Marner all- All-Star Invitational. Uh, you can follow along on Instagram at the Marner Assist Foundation.
0: Awesome. We'll make sure we share that as well. Uh, but while we have you, we can ask you one or two questions uh, just about this season. And, and uh, we got to chat at the NHL Awards. On the red carpet, you guys both looked great. But being nominated for a Selkie there, I just I think I know you take a lot of pride in developing that part of your game. Um, how much of, of an honor was it to be involved in that conversation and looking to an area of pride for you moving forward?
4: Yeah, it was great. Um, obviously, it's something I very much take pride in. Um, something I try to talk about is trying to play the full 200 foot game. And, um, it was, um, you know, it was very cool to hear that, um, kind of just all with my teammates. When I first did hear I was going to get nominated for it and and be in the finalist kind of talks. And, um, you know, obviously (laughs) it's always hard to win that event when, uh, you know, the, I almost should be just named after him when, (laughs) when Bergeron's in it, you know, with how he plays the game, how, um, he's always in the right spots. Um, He's a very annoying player to play against, but what a—he's an awesome dude away from the game and um, awesome off the ice. But um, it's always cool to have your name with a legend like that. That's won it that many times, and you know, really shows how to play the
1: game. Plenty of time to win that one, Mitch. Uh, of course, you know, every summer is a little interesting. Changes to the team, guys on the way out, but guys coming in. Of course, you're familiar with one guy coming in and Max Domi. What's your excitement level bringing Max in uh, to the Toronto Maple Leafs and keeping that Domi tradition alive?
4: yeah it's very exciting. I mean I'm very excited about all the guys we brought in. I thought um uh, all of them can really add a lot to our team um I think especially the forward group that we brought in have a lot of little grittiness to them and you know play a little bit of that uh, annoying game and um it's it's going to be good to have obviously Revo around that isn't afraid to <laughs> try to punch people in the face at all times and and be ready for it so yeah. um but you know, I'm very excited to have max obviously he's a he's a great player. I'm um, showing the last couple of years, really what he's done is just excelled. And um, he's he's really performed well in playoffs as well. So I'm um, excited to have all those guys excited to have Max back with us. And, um, you know, it should be a lot of fun. It should be, uh, you know, I think we have a lot of guys that fit in a lot of different places on our roster and can move up and down like that. That just mm-hmm. excites me a lot.
0: Yeah, Brad Trey Living says that uh, bringing a lot of snot to the team this year. Is that going to be the, the team word, snot season? You get that on the T-shirt of the back, just snot.
1: On the walls of
4: the locker room. There you go. That is not a, that is not a very pretty name, but I guess <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, uh, that's I think that's when we talked, that is what he was saying that he wants to go for. So um, not the prettiest of words, but, you know, it's definitely going to probably show on our ice. Um, we're excited about it. It's going to be a lot of fun, and, you know, we're all excited to get the season going.
0: Uh, one last one for you mitch um personally this off season, what what are you working on what are your goals and uh, in order to get better and prepare yourself for uh hopefully a, another a trip down the lane into the playoffs and further on this year
4: i think just like always just try to work on everything uh, you can always get better at every aspect of your game on the ice whether that's passing shooting um you know working on your stick where it's going to be where it's going to be placed and you know, receiving pucks, get them off your stick quickly. And then in the gym, you know, just getting, try to try to always just get more explosiveness um, quicker, faster. Um, you know, I, I think at this point I'm happy with where my weight is really. Um, you know, can always kind of obviously add five or so, but um, you know, I like where I'm at right now. It's just about making sure I'm just trying to be explosive as I can and uh, just keep my body in the in the right shape for the start of training camp and to make sure it's ready to go for a whole whole year and hopefully a long run.
0: Well, best of luck um, with this event, this, the next two days and the rest of the off season. We're looking forward to, to following along and cheering you guys on. Appreciate you taking the time today. And also, congratulations, early congratulations on the wedding and best of luck with that.
4: Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Of
0: course. Uh, that's Mitch Marner. Leaps forward. And they, of course, we are teeing up um, a really important event that he's a part of uh, the Mitch Marner, the Marner Assist Foundation. So you can take a look at that all online. It uh, kicks off tonight and into tomorrow.
1: What a position to be in in life. Yeah, I'm happy with my weight, but I could put on five.
0: Like the opposite. <laughs> yeah, I don't think... <laughs> That's oh, Mitch, okay. it's, you know, we're all sitting here like... We just crushed five. like three breakfast wraps before we started the show, and it's like the afternoon, we're just crushing breakfast wraps. It's not healthy over here.
1: Uh, Martin's doing things right, though. I don't know if it was a pre-wedding gift, mm-hmm. but the Shania Twain move, getting the fiancé on stage with Shania Twain. I was Shania at that Twain. concert. You were there, you amazing. saw it live. That, I don't know if it was connected to the wedding. I don't know if it was connected to anything, but that was a legendary move. It was a good move on his part. I'm sure, you know, it was like almost 100 points, all the points I was gonna say, at when, home.
0: When you're like a famous, wealthy person. Sure. It's probably difficult to get regular gifts for people like, hey, hon, what do you want? A book? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, there's probably at a point where yeah. you have everything you're happy with. Not that gifts are everything, but that is a really nice gesture. I'm more of, like, an experienced person. Like, yeah, I don't need things. Like, I got enough vintage T-shirts and merch. But, like, going to do something, having an event that's memorable, like, that's the type of, not that anyone wants to get me on stage with Shania Dwayne. Like, i you. gotta have the right I'd personality, I'd marry in heart, you know. see, in a heartbeat. <laughs> you gotta have the
1: right personality. If someone said, yeah, come up on stage with Shania, I would be mortified. But that's what
0: I'm saying. Like, he probably had to think really outside the box. How do I get my fiancé something that is not just everyday gift. And that is probably to go on stage with Shania Twain. I think that would do it for me.
1: Well, Mitch has connections. Yes. And Mitch is also a nominee for our best dressed. Yes. Toronto-esque.
0: And he was, I think he
1: was being... SBS-esque.
0: The esque He was being, uh, you know, uh, humble about the hat trend. But as soon as Mitch Meyer started wearing these hats, everybody started wearing these hats, okay? They have skyrocketed. If you've seen the Tyson Berry wedding, we didn't get to this with him, the Tyson Berry wedding photos... There's one of, like, former Leafs and Leafs adjacent. They're all wearing the hats? They're all wearing these hats. It's a thing. And I, obviously, when I was down in Nashville, there was a lot of places you could get custom hats made. It's not cheap. I was shocked I you looked didn't into come it. up with a hat, I looked honest. into it, Justin. It was hundreds of American dollars.
1: Should hundreds. We, should we hand out a couple more awards?
0: Hundreds of American dollars. Um, yes, let's continue handing out awards. So we have done, uh, we've solicited some advice for best male athlete, best female athlete, We've also gone through a little bit of the best breakthrough athletes. And I gave you one of mine for best comeback athlete. And that was Jamal Murray. But you have a couple more that we can go through for best comeback athlete.
1: Well, I guess we're using uh, different definitions <laughs> of the word come ba- comeback. But, and he's not an athlete, but Sheldon keeps coming back. So he gets like the comeback <laughs> oh, nod, God. I guess. I don't know. Jakob yeah, came back. Does he get a comeback nomination? I think... Maybe if we're projecting, Alec Manoa could be the comeback athlete with a of winky the face. summer potentially. But Nate Pearson, I know, I know you're partial to Nate Pearson. Mm-hmm. It's been a pretty good comeback for him, mm-hmm. a good comeback story for the Toronto Blue Jays. Though, I think it's almost impossible to beat Jamal Murray.
0: Yeah, it's Jamal Murray, and then the rest are happy to be their nominees. Um, Jakob Purtle came back to the Raptors. If you how how's how? What's the definition of comeback? Is it to come back or is it to come back? And Jakob Birtle did come back to the Raptors and he signed a four-year deal. Back. And he was pretty good when he came back. Nate Pearson, of course, has done... Uh, well, he was not a starter anymore, but that might be the best thing for him. Um, me making a comeback... To hockey this fall stay tuned for next year's sbsc awards because i will be winning that when i make my return to hockey this fall i
1: cannot believe you mentioned your hat trick with mitch barner i had to we get like 12 minutes with the guy i
0: needed to you have to warm up the, the guests okay. and that was perfect I and think, he I laughed think,
1: i think mitch was warm he
0: laughed he smiled and i bet he's gonna bring How it do up you know with he smiled? Mar- i could hear you can hear people smile on you the can radio hear people smile on the radio yeah you would never hear you smile
1: Doesn't i'm always
0: much. smiling you can hear it see i'm smiling now you can hear the smile
1: Text line, 590, 590 Can you hear Ailish smiling? You can
0: always hear me smile. I'm but... not
1: that sure that is accurate. Okay, uh, so Should we do best team?
0: Yeah, let's do best team. This is a this is good one because it was hard.
1: <laughs> Listen, we got a championship in the last 12 months in this city with the Toronto Argonauts. Swag mm-hmm. Kelly, who, of course, was a breakthrough athlete. What a nominee. game. Did he win the award? I don't know if we actually firm that one up. Did Nick Taylor take that one? Breakthrough athlete? Um, or was it Swag. Are they co I co- think sharing
0: that one? They can have half the trophy. Split in, in half. Okay. They're splitting that all one that in thing.
1: Half. Uh half. Yeah. So the Argos definitely are in the pole position here. I guess the two other, and this is, I mean, it's more of a uh, reflection on exactly how the last 12 months have gone here in the city athletically. Toronto Six.
0: Hey, that's my mine.
1: I know. I'm just, I'm putting, I'm teeing it up for you. Toronto Six. They're definitely in the conversation. Of course, mm-hmm. the Toronto Rock had a decent season, no. I don't think we can compare the Toronto, to the Toronto Six Toronto could be
0: a co-share with the Toronto Argonauts. But You're co-sharing?
1: N- okay, what's the justification well, for a co-sharing? I said
0: could be. I don't know if they will be. Make the argument. The Toronto Six were no longer, um, but were a part of the PHF, which of course we know now has been purchased by the PWHPA board of directors. Messy story, we'll figure it out. Nonetheless, they won this year, the Is- Isabel Cup, in March, so a couple months ago, their first ever in franchise history, they were an expansion team. They played out of Canlan at York, and I had a bunch of friends on that team. They no longer exist, though, so we should almost give them it in memory. I can hear that argument. Like they will never win another. It was, it was award. the most
1: prestigious club honor in yeah. women's hockey. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you, that's undeniable. I'm I'm willing to concede here. The okay. Argonauts got their shine. They got the Grey Cup. They got Swag Kelly representing for half the Breakthrough Athlete of the year. I, I will give the Toronto Six, if you're down, the best team. In
0: Toronto uh, how about season. they share it? Because I don't, I don't want to take anything away from the Toronto Argos because they, that was a huge victory for them. That's okay. that's a big deal. So Swag deal.
1: Kelly gets two halves making a hole. Yes. There you go.
0: And we do have another submission for best team. And uh, I can't believe you didn't bring this up with Mitch Marner. Your team, your team, (laughs) your beer league team, your men's league team won a championship this year. They could be in consideration for the best team in our SBS awards.
1: I don't think Mitch Murder would be smiling through the phone if I brought up my men's league competition. What's the name
0: of your men's league team? Swinging Ducks. I bet there's people that played against you that are listening just... Punch in the air right now I hope
1: so we, I mean we talked about him a lot On the fan morning show All year And no one uh, Chirped me on the ice About how that's mm. Been happening So I was really? bracing For that all year Like someone's oh, gonna want- hear Someone's gonna know I talk about this And it's just like That's uh, really
0: fun I wish somebody Had no, said something to you No one said anything I would have chirped you I know you would have um, Okay so We actually have a text And said I can always hear Eilish smiling I've never heard Justin smile once yeah. <laughs> Someone says Yes you can hear her smile Wes goes, I hear more of a smirk than a smile. It's probably more accurate, uh, Maybe
1: you can hear because it is more smirk than smile.
0: Someone says, I can hear you smile like you can see my fart, LOL. Like saying that it's not true. Okay. Um, okay, best athlete to interview or best sound bites that you get for an athlete. I had Mitch Marner in this for a little bit because of some funny quotes that he had given us this year. One of them was my... Brain is in shambles. Shambles in the brain. Brain shambles and shambles in shambles the right way. Shambles he in the brain. The wrong way. See, my brain's in shambles now. Shambles in the brain. And so that, I thought that was funny. But then he also called us piranhas at one point. So I don't know about that. Uh, it
1: happens. Yeah, that might have that been off the record. That might have been off the record. So not off the record in terms of it was not in front of a camera.
0: Anyway. But he was great with us. So he's, he he's, can be a part he, of it. He
1: was great with us just now, uh, of course. So I, I think there are two key nominations here, though. Ryan Reeves is definitely in the oh, conversation. He's
0: going to be perfect.
1: Ryan Reeves has been talking since he, you know, came, became a Toronto Maple Leaf. However, do we have the full year of Ryan Reeves? Not yet. Does that, do we, does that take away from him in this category? I'm not really sure. But I think one sneaky good soundbite in Toronto sports is Kevin Kiermeyer right now. Kevin Kiermeyer, when he gets the opportunity to rile Blue Jays fans up, to try to rally the troops, to get everyone excited about Kevin Kiermeyer being a member of the Toronto Blue Jays, he does just that. Every time he's with Hazel May, it's a good interview. Every time he's in front of the mic talking about how he's going to get his jersey dirty and how he's going to make the plays and be the best <laughs> ninth hitter in all of Major League Baseball, uh, he's got my attention. I think it uh, helps th- when you
0: can see him too.
1: And, and yeah, you can definitely see him smile.
0: You could definitely see him smile. And his eyes twinkle.
1: And his eyes do twinkle so when, Kevin he, when he does that. I, think, I think Kevin Kiermeyer is a pretty good nominee for this, but I do think Ryan Reeves is coming for that title.
0: We made a massive error. What's that? We didn't mention Barrios or Kikuchi for comeback award.
1: Yeah, that is a bit of a... Well, Mar- Mar- a Barrios Mar- might
0: be the biggest comeback story of the MLB. Like, yeah, in, uh, name, uh, top five. This Certain, season, certainly top five this season. Is Jose Barrios' return? Kikuchi, yes, we like Kikuchi, but he's not in the same level of respect right now for comeback award of the SBS than B- Jose Barrios. So mm-hmm. it's, it, whoever texted it in is like, you are. Yeah,
1: well, I mean, one hundred percent a glaring oversight. It. Can either Barrios or Kikuchi hang with Jamal Murray's comeback story, though? Like, do we have well, to re-give out the award this, here? The
0: season isn't over yet. If the Blue Jays make some sort of actual run here and get into the playoffs, don't just get swept by the Seattle Mariners in devastating fashion, and they do something significant, and Jose Barrios has been the same story that he has been, I think there is there is an opportunity. They probably have to win the World Series.
1: I'm confident with my choice, though, or our choice, because Jamal Murray did win an NBA championship. Jordy Fernandez loves the guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, But it actually did result in something meaningful, right? Right. You got to win a World Series. Right now, the comeback, it doesn't even have to be World Series for me because the Blue Jays can't be talking about World Series right now. We got to be talking about catching one team, making the playoffs, doing some damage, hopefully shoring things up because there are some issues with this team, (laughs) of course. And we will discuss those throughout, you know, we've discussed them this week and we'll continue to do so. Uh, But right now, these comebacks haven't been worth much. It's been really positive. (laughs) hasn't been worth anything. And Jamal Murray, of course, his comeback, worth an NBA championship.
0: We actually have the perfect person on next uh, to talk about comebacks and the ups and downs of the Toronto Blue Jays season. And that is Ricky Romero, who is a former Blue Jays pitcher and MLB All Star and contributed to MLB Network Radio now. And if you followed the Blue Jays a little while ago, you know that Ricky Romero had a similar esque storyline as to what Alec Manoa. Is currently going through and hopefully has rounded the corner of. We'll chat about how the parallels of those two might be real and if this second half can propel the Blue Jays to a SBS comeback award. Ricky Romero will join us next on Fan Drive Time with Justin Cuthbert, Alish 4, Sports at five ninety. The Fan is Sports at now. Back on fan drive time, Justin Cuthbert, ailish four of our final, ooh, final thirty minutes of our five to seven block before we move to three to five. And you can hear us smiling because we got the best guest there is Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays pitcher, MLB All-Star and contributor to MLB Network Radio, joining us. Ricky, we haven't spoken in so long. How are you?
5: I'm doing great. How are you? It's been a while.
0: I know. <laughs> Life's good. How are the kiddos? Have they convinced you to move to Canada yet?
5: Oh man, my my oldest was just telling me if we can extend our trip twenty extra days, oh, who knows why. But they love they de- it here. They're definitely <laughs> oh they they're they're in love with summer camp here. That's for sure, and they they enjoy it. Um, yeah, I mean it's it, it honestly it, it feels good to to have a home here and, and be able to call call this place home and and just be able to relax. And it's just different. It's a little different uh, than than being back home in LA. That's for sure
0: is it just is it um, a multi-sport summer camp or are they full in baseball sophomore mode
5: no it's just like uh they play different sports different games oh. and then they head to the pool That, I that, want pool that. Reminds me of the same, a lot
0: do they have this for grown-ups <laughs> i was
5: gonna say we i need would this like for to
0: participate
5: <laughs> yeah right yeah that, that would be great if they had it for grown-ups but yeah no they they, they honestly have had a great time and it kind of we we were talking about earlier because i was like man we got 12 days left here and and then we head back home and but we get the best of both the world so it's just always amazing to be able to come back here to the city and spend some time here and just you realize how nice people are everywhere
0: too (laughs) well you're very nice and you're always been kind to us with your time so we'll ask you a little bit about um this blue jays team now and with the all-star break happening i I guess a a natural intro part is you were an all-star once and um what is this week like? Like I'm sure it's changed a little bit, um, since the twenty I think it was twenty eleven season you were an all star, but the pride in being an all star and the excitement around this week and getting to represent your team on a bigger stage.
5: It's it's awesome, honestly. It's it's one of the best I mean, one of my career highlights, mm-hmm. that's for sure. Um, uh, I've, I've said it before, I don't think I would say that was a dream come true because I don't know if I ever had that dream. I had the dream of playing in the big leagues, but to be an all-star, is an, it's another thing, and it's a cool because it's a label that follows you for the rest of your life, right? I mean, everyone always considers you an all-star, and the fact that you were amongst the best of the best for that year, and, and some of those guys are, are going to be in the Hall of Fame or are in the Hall of Fame. And and I think that's what makes it uh special, but as, as far as a week, I mean they, I, I like how they call it the all star break because mm-hmm. if you're an all star, it's really not a break you're you're going the whole time and and <clears throat> you know we we saw Kevin Gosman obviously decline to go and you you understand that side of it and um but <clears throat> when it's your first one it's it's amazing, honestly, I felt like it was, I, after that 2011, you feel like you're gonna have more. Um, and, and it didn't happen for me, but I was able to cherish it as much as I could and enjoy it as much as I could with my family and just take it all in. I mean, I wanted to be a part of everything. This is back when the the home run derby was like three and a half hours long. Now, obviously, there's a timer, and you know when it's going to be done, kind of more or less. Before, it was 10 outs, and Bautista mm. was in it, and <laughs> everything, all the feels of it. I just wanted to be part of it, like every single thing. I didn't want to miss a thing, and, and I, I'm glad I was able to do that.
1: So you mentioned there's not much rest uh, when you are an all-star, but you do get a breather if you're not an all-star. And, of course, most of the MLB player population aren't all-stars. So how important is the breather? How important is it to, like, manage your time appropriately and actually get rest? Because, as we know, the Major League Baseball season is a grind, and these four days, uh, I'm sure, are pretty important.
5: Oh, yeah, very important. And I think a lot of guys probably... Especially the guy, more the position players, I feel like they kind of take it as a I need to stay off my feet as much as I can, especially the guys that play, you know, that are out there 100 plus mm-hmm. games a year and, and, and have been swinging since spring training started and even before that, I think this is a good time for them to kind of take a step back and, and kind of heal up a little bit. For pitchers, I felt like for me, um, it always was like, okay, I'll take a couple of days off and then like, for example, today, uh, a day before the, the second half starts, I'd be maybe two days before I'd kind of start just loosening up my arm because you still want to keep that arm flowing and you still want to be active as much as you can. So it it, it is a break, but it really isn't for a pitcher because I feel like a lot of us are (laughs) kind of crazy in our own way and you feel like you have to throw and you feel like you have to get, you know, move in the blood flowing in your arm and all that good stuff. So um, I I just feel like um, it's important to to definitely heal up and kind of just take a break but also I mean you're gearing up perhaps the most important part of the season here obviously the the first season's done and a lot of work remains to be done in the second half and, and that's what makes it exciting.
1: So what do you think Alec Manoa was up to? Ricky, uh, we want to pick your brain when it comes to, you know, his story this season and where he's at and the advice that you've been able to give him. We'll do that in a second. But clearly, you know, you don't want to lose what you had Friday night. So is Alec Manoa doing something to try and stay sharp, you would think, during this break? I mean, can it be the break it is for most people like it is or for Alec Manoa, given that you just don't want to lose any of that momentum that you generated for yourself Friday night in Detroit?
5: Yeah, no, I, I think the, the the thing with him is probably, I feel like he's put in the work um, while he was down in the minors, and he he identified the problems that he was dealing with, whether it was mechanically, mentally, whatever it was. And you just saw a different guy, right? That that Friday night game, you just saw a guy that was more confident, that was that felt like he he had it back, like like it's there, like it's, it never went away. It was just you know when when you're dealing with some stuff and you start getting roughed up a little bit you know, the mental part come, comes in handy or comes in play uh, a lot and, and it kind of starts messing with you and you start kind of questioning yourself. And um, and I think for him, it's probably the, the one thing he probably, he probably didn't even ha I'm guessing, I'm, this is just a wild guess, I, I'm guessing he continued to throw and continue to stay active as much as he can and continue to work on the, whatever it is that he needs to continue to work on going forward. And at the end of the day, you know, you still want him to have a break. You still want him to enjoy, you know, that part of it and and be like, okay, I played catch, I got my work done, I can just go and whatever it is, lay by the beach or, you know, or just hang out and go to dinner or whatever it is. Um, You just kind of, at the end of the day, he's he's a human being and he's allowed to do that, so you just hope that, that start on Friday against the Tigers uh, can carry on into the second half.
0: We're speaking with Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays pitcher. So Manoa's first half uh, obviously wasn't uh, what had been anticipated or expected from the young star. Um, there was a point in your career where you faced some difficulties as well. And I wonder if you ever have had a chance to talk to Alec about what he's been going through, give him some advice, or just at least be like a listener or a helping hand throughout this uh, you know time, trying time for
5: Alec. Most definitely. I mean, I, I feel like I almost felt like it was my duty, um, you know, as a as a former player, as a former player in this organization and somebody who's been through those, that, that same rough patch that he went through. Um, and the first thing that I asked him was like, are you healthy, man? You know, that's that's the biggest thing. Then I feel like that's what everyone was wondering. Is he healthy? Is there something bothering him? And because with me, it was health, you know, and, and then it just kind of uh, snowballed from there for him. It didn't seem like that was the problem. It was more just Mentally getting back on his good side and and I think where <clears throat> where i felt in tr- uh where i felt felt like I got in trouble was I made things a bigger deal than they were mm-hmm. at the time and i and I was because I, I cared so much I wanted to win I wanted to be able to be uh you know the guy in the rotation that that that, that was the leader and 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 i didn't i mean <laughs> that year in in two thousand and twelve we lost Kyle Drabeck, drew Hutchinson and Brandon Morrow on a span of like a week, and I was like i can't be that guy that goes down too so I was a little bit stubborn, and, and I could have, and so I kind of explained to him the stuff that I would have done differently, and I didn't want him to fall in that same hole, where you know he starts questioning it, and he thinks it's the his life is ending, and I was like, this is not life or death, man. At the end of the day, you're sixty feet six inches. It's a game of baseball. It tests you mentally, but I don't want you to fall into this trap, and that's what I was able to relate to him, and we had a good conversation about it, and that's why when I saw him come up on friday and, and had the success i was i was freaking pumped like mm. pumped just that the fact that it was like it's refreshing i mean people sometimes don't realize how much uh i wouldn't say pressure but how much like we we actually do care how much we want to do so well not only for for the guys in that clubhouse but for the fans for the organization you you want to put them first and do everything possible to go out there and win and 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 we take it seriously and and sometimes when things don't go our way it's 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 there's some rough nights. I mean, I I talk about it all the time. I mean, there was days where I'd come home when I was struggling, and I'd just shut every light in my room and and just sit there in front of my bed and just stare at the wall and just wonder what is it that I need to do to get back on track. And obviously, it didn't happen for me the way I wanted it to happen. So that's why I always felt like it was my duty to to reach out to him and make sure that he didn't fall in that same trap. And luckily, you know, he's on the right path, and hopefully, he continues to have a who carries this into the second half because as we know and as you guys know, I mean, this rotation's pretty damn good as it is. And if you add him, and he doesn't have to be the same guy that he was last year and all this, and live up to try and live up to those expectations. We just need him to be Alec Noah, the guy that we saw in Detroit. And if he does that, then this team's going to be on the right path for for some good things to happen
0: 100 percent, a good step forward whether it was a sprint forward or just a step forward i think uh, everyone was on the same boat with you feeling pretty pumped to see him out there looking like himself having that confidence back and and uh, like attacking um and that was really a, a confident uh point of emphasis but when when uh, go back to when you were talking about your personal struggles through this was there someone that helped you get through this or like how how much of the did you need to rely on your teammates or your rotation to help you through those darker times? Uh, or was there someone external that was able to, to assist you with your, your ups and downs?
5: Yeah, I think it was obviously the clubhouse, the my mm-hmm. teammates. There was nobody that wanted to see me uh, be more successful than them. And I think they saw the work that I was putting in behind closed doors. They knew how much I cared. That They wanted it so bad for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, they they did. And, and and as far as external, I had just met my uh, wife now, Cara, and she you know obviously a former athlete for for team canada and all that and her dealing with her uh injuries and knee injuries so we were able to talk and bounce stuff off each other but again at the time i think i was a little bit stubborn and and there was times where like she's like maybe you should say something and maybe you should just like take a break and i'm like no i can't i can't like and you know and and sometimes you know we we as athletes sometimes like i said you you become stubborn you want to go out there you want to compete you want to Want to Do everything you can, but I think at the end of the day, I was hurting myself more than anything, and um, yeah, I mean, and obviously, my mom and dad, I, I, you know, I i think <laughs> to this day, I still hear my mom always saying, you know, we'll always be your number one fans, no matter what, you know, whether it ended the way it ended, it, it don't matter. I got to places, and, and I think this is post-career where I was able to realize all the good stuff that I had done in the game, and just from where I came from, that I was able to put everything, all the negativity aside and say, you know what, what I did, the fact that I have a story to tell from East Los Angeles to the big leagues and to the country of Canada is beyond special. And I think it was not till after I was done playing that I was able to realize that.
1: I think that one thing that's impressive, uh, you know, and maybe I'm projecting a little bit, but it didn't seem like the financial component, at least for Alec Manoa, I'm not sure what it was like for you. Uh, didn't come into play like we see him Friday night, and I, I again I don't know what's in his head, but he just wanted to be back in that dug uh, in that uh, dugout again, right? It wasn't about hey maybe you know I didn't sign a contract this summer and what, where is that going to leave me? It was about just playing baseball again. Is that what it's really all about? And it, it's not like a uniform, it's not a blanket thing, it doesn't apply to everyone. But that's one thing that you're like man like that. How could that not? feed into the issues right now where this guy hasn't gotten paid yet and he's having these issues. For me, it just seemed like Alec Manoa just wants to play baseball, throw the baseball well again. Do you read it the same way?
5: Oh, of course. I mean, again, you know what? We, we It's no secret. You know, our our player salaries are out there. Everyone knows how much we make. And and we make a lot of money and all that. But at the same time, it's like, not like we're asking for it. Right. I mean, if anybody came up to you guys and said, we want to give you a hundred million dollars for the next, you know, six, seven years, you're not, you're going to obviously probably take the deal. So it's just what comes with it. But I think in, 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 in reality, when you're out there, when you're, when you're pitching, I don't think you're thinking about that. I mean, at least I never was. I mean, when I was approached about the contract and, and signing a, an extension here. It was a complete shock to me, like a complete shock. It came out of nowhere and, and, and it was, it was, it was crazy. So I just feel like, I mean, in in due time, you know, if Alec is able to stay healthy, if if he's able to prove that, you know, he can come back and be, you know, a quality starter in the big leagues. And that part will take care for itself as, as my agent uh, at the time used to say, you go out there, you keep pitching. Well, your stock keeps rising Mm -hmm. and you don't have to worry about anything. You know, if, if you go out there and you're eating up innings and you're being uh, a productive starter in the big leagues, everything else is going to take care for itself. And that's kind of the way I approached it. I never really was sitting there like, oh yeah, I hope I sign a big contract one day. That just was extra. It was mm-hmm. the icing on the cake for me and, and obviously I was able to do that uh, or, um, at a very young age in, 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 in my Major League Baseball career. And uh, unfortunately it didn't work out as far as like me finishing the contract and Trust me, like I still like beat myself over that because I wish I would have been able to anchor this rotation for the five six seven years that that I was you know signed through and 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 I, it didn't work out, but again, if you know me well, then you knew that i I gave it all. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, if our bosses are listening, Justin and I are, are certainly interested in a hundred million dollars. Um, we could chat post show about that one. Um, <laughs> I'm willing to negotiate. I'm now. willing to take uh, take some of that for sure. Uh, we're talking to Ricky Romero, former Blue Jays pitcher. Now, um, let's look ahead. So, Alec Manoa, a, a positive return, and obviously some steps forward um, still to come. Sounds like Hunjin Ryu might even be back in this rotation or or up in the big leagues in the next month. So that leaves one too many pitchers. So, so what do you do in this situation? Have you ever been a part of a six man rotation? Is that something the blue Jays could, could use and and how does that affect the rest of the starting pitchers?
5: Uh, I've never been part of a six man rotation, but I can see the, we know the way baseball is now and how careful they are with guys and, 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 and making sure we monitor guys' innings and all that stuff. We know that the starters, a lot of the starters had a big workload the first half. So, I mean, if they did go into a six-man rotation, I'm sure it it, it wouldn't shock me. Um, obviously, like I said, we're 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 different uh, creatures. Sometimes when we're out there, we want to be out there. After you know, after the fourth day, you're itching to to pitch on that fifth day. So I'm sure it would be an adjustment for everyone else. But um, I think it's a good problem to have. Honestly, I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like for for a while we've been questioning the depth of this rotation after the guys that are already on there. Like. know for a while they were running bullpen days because i feel like the depth in triple a wasn't as good as we thought and 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 with Ryu back at least it gives you you know it provides a little bit more depth and it gives you that extra starter veteran starter and you just never know you know i mean Mm -hmm. with the rotation you you want to stay healthy throughout the whole time throughout the whole second half but you know we know that stuff happens sometimes where a guy might you know something might happen. And and luckily you can have, you can, you know, you have that Ryu type of guy that you're able to plug in there and stuff like that. But it it would not surprise me one bit if there's a six man rotation and if you're trying to monitor uh, certain guys' innings and just make sure, I mean, Ryu is a guy that you're going to have to monitor regardless. Mm -hmm. He's not going to come in and be a workhorse right away. So yeah, it'll be interesting how they, how they play it out. And I mean, again, I I think the, the rotation, has done a pretty pretty good job, and, and, and hopefully they're able to keep it up.
1: Chatting with former Blue Jays pitcher Ricky Romero. Uh, no secret, Ricky, that the Blue Jays are going to have to have a pretty good second half if they're going to make something this season, get into the playoffs, uh, qual- uh, qualify the playoffs, and push for a World Series. Uh, what's your biggest point of confidence when looking at this team? What gives you hope that they're going to track down one of these teams ahead of them, make the playoffs, and potentially do some damage?
5: Oh, it's the pitching, 100. percent I mean, it's it, that's what it really comes down to. And we can talk about the offense all we want about you know the struggles that they they kind of had towards the second half right there and and things like that. But when it comes down to pitching, and if you're able to anchor down that part of it, I think the offense is going to come come alive. You know, we 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 saw we saw what Bo has done. If Springer, you know, when he gets hot, he gets hot. Vladdy, I mean, he's a guy that I hope you know has a crazy upstart to the second half and he's able to be the guy that we know he can be and obviously another guy for, for me that I feel like offensively is a big big part and we saw early in the season when he was hot Matt Chapman mm-hmm. I mean this team looked pretty damn good at the middle part of that lineup and obviously we know what Whit can do as an all-star uh, as an all-star and, and stuff like that so there if those guys can get it together with the pitching that they have to me the pitching is it's what starts it all right there I mean if they're able to anchor down there and then <clears throat> the bullpen obviously a key guy for me in the bullpen is going to be Nate Pearson is mm. it can he be that guy that fireballer that every other team seems to have that 100 101 and be able to come and attack guys and be a multiple inning guy possibly late in high leverage situations and obviously we know what Swanson can do what Romano can do and Tim Meza to me has been the unsung hero I feel like nobody really talks about yeah, him but man he's true. having a tremendous year and um so I think pitching wise I think that it's going to be it's going to be uh I think that's where where the key stands and and I feel like it's it's probably the same answer that you'll continue to get out of me every single year it comes It really does come down to pitching and defense, and you know if if you have to claw for some runs, you, you do it and, and you rely on that on that great pitching that you have.
0: Well, Ricky, we appreciate you taking the time today. It was great to chat. Uh, enjoy camp. We are going to be looking up camp for grown-ups after the show to see if there's one that's not like weird. If we join, some you
5: know, like, vacation coming like a, up. We got to use it. We got to yeah, do let, something let me know with my if time. Find one. I'll join you. Guys. Okay,
0: perfect. Uh, good to chat, Ricky. Enjoy the rest of the trip up here, and M- we'll chat soon.
5: Thank you. That's Ricky Thanks.
0: Romero, former Blue Jays pitcher, MLB All-Star, and contributor to MLB Network Radio. And got a cute little fam. I just love chatting about them.
1: I think that's a business opportunity. Like forget dating apps.
0: Camp for grown Camp ups. for
1: grown-ups, but like a singles thing. And you're doing <laughs> oh, like activities okay. you're and an you're it like, itch, Yeah. Right? I mean, I, I think you're gonna make not only are you gonna
0: that sounds like Burning create, Man or like Coachella. Isn't that kind oh, of what that yeah, is? It's
1: a, no, that's a concert series. Yeah, but they, it's, not. it's outside, so I'm thinking camp. I think camp for grown-ups. Camp for grown-ups, you heard of dating angle. Is, there's something there, I'm telling you. There's something
0: weird about the lodging situation in the tents, but.
1: I guess, but, you know, start on uh, separate quarters. Okay. Start on separate well, quarters. Well, we
0: have a future <laughs> in, in camp planning, Justin and yes. Ailish. Uh, we've had a blast on this time slot. Mm-hmm. Uh, five to seven this week. Filling in for Blair and Barker, they will be back tomorrow because the Blue Jays are back in action. It's finally real, like <laughs> MLB sports. Our team is back. Seven o seven, first pitch. They're back here for the weekend. Um, we'll be excited to to actually watch some real baseball. I did want to bring something up that I saw before we sign off. Uh, the MLB All Star Game, which we talked about, was the least watched ever, 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 ever. Um, average. A record low of 7 million viewers. And then to add to this, the All-Star Game had set a low viewership in five of the game's last seven editions. So it is trending downwards. Even though we did find some things that we did like about it, it kind of, uh, we did get a lot of texts in about ways they could improve it. Well, only 7 million people watched it.
1: Maybe the Camps for Grown-Up business plan has already been launched and people were preoccupied at, were, at camps. Uh, yeah, I'm a, little, I'm a little surprised. I was surprised to see that. But you know, we talked about guys like Ellie De La Cruz. Like maybe, they, mm. maybe they missed he the mark a little everything. bit. He everything. Not, not, that, not that he can solve everything. But I do think you've got to have the best there mm-hmm. to make it work. And there were a lot of guys who dropped out. There were opportunities to get pretty appointment you know, viewing guys in the lineup, and they chose not to do that. I think there were reasons. As much as there were many reasons to watch, there were some reasons not to watch. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I am a little surprised that the the number is what it is.
0: Yeah, I, I enjoyed some segments of it, but we did bring up some uh, ways that they could fix it, and that might be just better jerseys. And maybe when it comes to Toronto, hopefully, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. In two ish years, the viewership will just skyrocket. You'll have a beautiful, picturesque view of the sea and tower in the background.
1: Do you think they'll go full like Canada themed with? They the, have to with the jerseys. They have to.
0: They would for sure. Like it, there would be there would be reds and whites. Like little leafs scattered leafs across, scattered amongst the jersey. I
1: think so. I think you're yeah. right.
0: Um, okay, so we, we're big on the Edmonton Elks game tonight. Uh, not too much else in the sporting world to watch. Tonight. Well, we'll
1: be big on the Blue Jays this weekend. I mean, it's and mm-hmm. uh, it, it's an interesting one because Lourdes Gurriel Jr. of mm-hmm. course is coming back. Abby Moreno of course coming back. Uh, We're going to be able to relitigate the Dalton Varshow trade, I think, at certain points, whether it's tomorrow or to start next week, because it is going to be thrust under the spotlight, of course. But yeah, it'll be cool seeing Lourdes back in town. I'm sure him and Vladdy will be playing various games from across dugout to dugout, which will be a lot of fun. But uh, yeah, it will give us an opportunity to look at that Dalton Varshow trade again. And so far, it hasn't been the thing that you're most excited to Relive.
0: Do you think they get a video board tribute?
1: I, Lourdes should. 100%. I would think so, but then is it
0: weird to leave Gabby Moreno it out? Might.
1: Is he like at the end? He's
0: kind of like a, a split screen. Like you do a big Lourdes thing and then you're like, and also. Yeah, it's actually. <laughs> Gabby I, Moreno. Here's, that, your, here's a nice um, visual of you throwing out a runner at second with the best pop time in the league.
1: The dude had good pop they could, time. They could. They could
0: put two of those videos for sure. I think
1: they could. I mean, you don't want to shortchange Lourdes at all. But you also can't embarrass Gabby Moreno, so I think they'll find a way to do both.
0: So you either just don't do it, or you have to do both to the same level. They're doing both. You have to do both. To the same same level? Justin, because Gabby Moreno will see that he's not featured as...
1: But do do you have to worry about Gabby Moreno's feelings at this point? I don't
0: know. Maybe they should just worry about winning.
1: They should worry about winning. Taking two of three at least. Let's do it. With Arizona in town, that should be the priority, of course.
0: All right. Well, we loved being on 5 to 7 this week. We'll be back tomorrow 3 to 5, and we will be followed by Blair and Barker who make their return. Thanks for listening, everybody. Justin and Aylers back tomorrow at 3 p.m.